exploring the faith, life, and sport of Christians in sport. This is FLS. Here's your host, Brea Burrell. The FLS Podcast. In each episode, hearing from past and present Christians in sport about their faith, life, and sport. Coming up in this episode, we're looking back at some of our 2023 highlights. Now, if you would like to hear these interviews in full, head online, faithlifesport.com. Now, coming up, we're going to hear from former South African cricketer Johan Bota and the setback he had during his career having his bowling action questioned and how he worked his way back. Whilst still a Christian in sport but not taking part on the field, one of my recent guests on the FLS podcast helps the athletes off the field and we hear about the work of a sporting chaplain. But first, whilst I do continue on the cricketing theme, we'll hear from former Sri Lankan cricketer, now coach of Bangladesh, Chandika Hatharasinghe. If we can ask you please, Chandika, about your, your Christian faith, can you please share how you became a Christian? And look, I suppose for us, uh, you know, Sri Lanka, not an overtly Christian country. So can you please share, uh, I suppose, about your upbringing and, and how you became a Christian? Um, Sri Lanka is a predominantly Buddhist country, so I was born into a Buddhist family, very strong um, uh, Buddhist family, and um, uh, I studied Buddhism, grew up in a, in around environment where we go to uh, temple um, every Sunday school. Um, so then, um, around 1997-98, when I was touring with the national team. If, I mean, if you don't know, we were sharing rooms those days. We don't get our own room. So um, most of the time you share with someone like you, you, your age and you get along with, they put it your, um, put to you like that. So then um, one of my uh, teammates was Ruan Kalpage. So he, um, I think he's newly converted at that time um, to Christianity. So he was talking to me and I, I was seeing him um changing his um, the ways of um his ways and the mannerism and uh, praying in the mornings and things like that and then i was asking him what's going on and then he was started uh, talking about um christianity to me um this is what happened and his story and yeah at the time so i thought okay um that's maybe be another the interesting thing to listen to. Um, the same time, uh, my wife now, and then I met my um, wife uh, um, at the same time, uh, uh, and she was going into a charismatic church. So I, I started going with her and then met one of the pastors, the young pastors over there, and started asking questions. Uh, him, um, what does he think about Yola talking about? You all can directly speak to God, and there you can say you can um, hear sometimes give signs and things like that. Um, tell me about that. So I was very curious. So um, until, but that was in, in between like 97, 98 time, and then till 2005, I was like, I had a lot of questions. I mm. didn't know what on, but I was open. Um, and, and then I was not, I was. I was not comparing the two religions, but then I was following both and what, what I think is good and um, what I thought is good. Um, um, both religion teaches you. And then there's a few incidents happened uh, around 2003, 
and five when I have to retire from cricket and then um, thinking about my um, direction after cricket. So um, at that time, I started like because I knew a lot about Christianity. So I started about uh, I started talking to um, God directly with me, um, me and him, and started talking. And then I was asking for guidance. I asked going asking for wisdom, and slowly but Surely I got some direction, I thought. I thought a comfort um, that what I need to do. Because I was working in a bank mm. at that time as like a full-time job. And those days in Sri Lanka, we were not full-time cricketers. Um, um, so so I, I was not actually enjoying that. I mean, I'm, I knew that I had to do a job to provide for my family. Then I had two kids at that time as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how my transition. And then when I was in that uh, situation and actually God helped me to uh, I get my life in order and, um, and understand um, my purpose. FLS is supported by Mission Partner Fellowship of Christian Athletes. FCA's vision is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. FCA is for those involved with sport at all levels, ages and abilities to the elite standard. Contact FLS to find out ways that you can be engaged, equipped and empowered to live for Jesus and outreach in your sporting world. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the heart and soul of sport. For more details, head to faithlifesport.com. This is the best of FLS for 2023, hearing about the faith, life and sport of past and present Christians in sport. Right now, as we stay in the world of cricket, but hearing about the team that works behind the team, helping those athletes who are on the field. I caught up recently with Simon Flinders, sporting chaplain with the New South Wales cricket team. Now, Simon, one thing I do want to ask you, please. During your role as cricket chaplain was back in 2014 and the death of South Australian, but also former player with New South Wales, Philip Hughes. Can you share with us, please, from your time as chaplain, how you were called upon to support both the staff and players at Cricket New South Wales? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Graham. That was a very, um, very intense um, and difficult time for everybody, uh, really everyone in the cricket fraternity across Australia, but particularly for... uh, Cricket South Australia and Cricket New South Wales, where Philip had played previously. Um, many of us knew him personally, including my, myself. And um, so it was very, uh, it was a challenging time for me, both grieving personally, losing someone I kind of knew and cared about, but also trying to care for other people who were doing the same. And, and for a lot of the Cricket New South Wales players, particularly, this, this kind of was a kind of event they'd never experienced before, losing a peer particularly in the context of a cricket game, um, was a great shock to people. Uh, yeah, through those through those kind of immediate weeks after uh, Phil's initial injury, um, I really effectively became a kind of full-time cricket chaplain with the support of my church community at the time who were sort of happy to release me to that and was very thankful for that. So I just spent a lot of time hanging out with cricket players um, around the SCG, um, sometimes at the hospital where Phil was for a couple of days before he died. Uh, and then I travelled with uh, the New South Wales cricket team up to Phil's funeral in northern New South Wales, spent a lot of time interacting with the chaplains from um, other cricket teams as well, particularly the South Australian cricket chaplain at the time, praying for each other. 
uh, and just yeah, trying to talk to players and staff as much as I could and um, just see how they were travelling. Was yeah, it was a very very difficult time, but a very important time in the life of cricket in New South Wales. Mm, no, thank you, thank you for sharing. One question I sort of was was thinking about as obviously you're a chaplain to the players, but is there a chaplain for the chaplains? Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Graham, and it's a really important one I think because um, chaplaincy can be quite um, emotionally taxing, can be challenging in various ways for the chaplain. Often chaplains are called in, particularly in sort of more traumatic moments, uh, responding to emergencies. Um, and so it's really important that chaplains are well supported. Um, I've probably got three answers to that question, I think. Firstly, just to say again that Sports Chaplaincy Australia have been great. They, you know, they have a system whereby they're trying to provide support to their chaplains on the ground and um, ways of gathering those chaplains together and supporting them prayerfully. So I really appreciated that. Sports Chaplaincy Australia also, secondly, I guess, operates on the principle that it's really important for chaplains to have a church community that understands their chaplaincy role and supports them in it. And that's been my experience as well. I'm grateful to have been supported by a church community. Um, thirdly, for myself, one of the things I implemented very early on was I just gathered a group of kind of close friends who I could really trust to share some prayer points with regularly. And I've aimed sort of once a month or, or two to send a little list of prayer points to a small group of people who've prayed regularly for me through that past 20 years. And that, that little circle of um, prayer support has been a great blessing as well. Now, a reminder to hear these interviews in full, head online, faithlifesport.com. The FLS podcast, the faith, life and sport of past and present Christians in sport. Right now, as we take a break from cricket, we head to judo. And I caught up with Abigail Padot. Now, also uh, in each of our episodes of the podcast, we love talking to our guests about their faith. Um, if you can share about yours, please. Was it part of your upbringing or did you uh, have your faith later on in life? Yeah, so I went to church growing up, uh, but I definitely didn't really establish that faith until I moved out of home. Uh, I moved to Sydney when I was 16, and that's really when my uh, self-driven faith journey began. Self-driven, of course, by the Holy Spirit, but without that external influence. Um, Yeah, and just establishing that relationship with God, the personal relationship, Mm. like I said, without the external influence. Yeah. And was there a moment that you can think back uh, of when that happened or, as you said, when you were 16, so you'd moved away from home. Was that for school or for for extracurricular stuff? Uh, I moved out of home and then I joined a judo club in Sydney, which definitely uh, enhanced my judo journey. Um, and then I ended up going to school up there as well, finishing off school out there. Um, but, yeah, no, I can't think of a defining moment. It was gradual times where faith was um, tested or um, just circumstances by the grace of God that just really allowed me to be like, wow, there's a creator, there's a saviour, I need the saviour, and, Yeah. And how has that, I suppose, your faith, you've had some ups and downs in, in your sporting career. I, I read that you had and you were out for a while with a spinal injury. How has your faith helped you, I suppose, get through those those moments where it has been, in, in a way, I suppose, for your sporting career quite tough? So 
I honestly don't know how people go through tough times without faith. Uh, I, in, in the really hard times, uh, well, in all times, it's so comforting to know there's uh, a God out there who loves me and knows me personally, but especially during the hard times when, especially when you're going through painful experiences, um, both physically and otherwise, uh, where other people are supportive, but they don't actually know what you're going through. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, knowing that there was a God who uh, knows me, cares for me, and already has my future planned out. Um, that was super comforting. But also to know, I think because uh, as an athlete who dedicates a lot of their time and effort and energy into this sport, uh, particularly being a combat sport, a lot of injuries happen, mm. a lot of big injuries happen, uh, that it's comforting to know that even if this doesn't work out, that God already knows that, he's got that plan uh, and he's going to take care of me. The FLS podcast, the faith, life and sport of past and present Christians in sport. A reminder to hear these interviews in full, head online, faithlivesport.com. And finally, hearing from former South African cricketer Johan Botta and the setback he had during his career where he had his bowling action questioned and how he worked his way back. Going back to that test match in 2006, it was then when you were reported for, for throwing the ball at the conclusion of the match. Um, can we ask about that? And was that then distracting for your career over those sort of coming, uh, the, the, the few months afterwards? Um, yeah, it, it was something to work through, obviously. You know, like I said it to someone this morning again, it's a different type of pressure. You know, it's not competing with a batsman. It's basically bowling for your career to to stay on the field. So it was definitely a different and bigger pressure than just playing the game. Um, but yeah, straight away from there. So that happened in the January Test match. I still played a few ODIs after that in the Triangular Series against Sri Lanka. Because back in the day, you had basically two weeks to go for a test, which we did in Perth. And then it takes another two weeks for the results to come come out. So in that month, you basically not guilty until proven otherwise. <laughs> and so I was allowed to still play, but then the results came out. And, and for the rest of that season, so that would have been uh, early Feb till the end of March when the South African domestic season was on, I just played as a batsman. I just mm. didn't bowl at all, played as a batsman for three or four games. And then once the season finished, so April, we started, you know, remodeling. I would go to the... Um, uh, what is it called? With Tim Noakes is in Cape Town. The it's not this, the in Sports Institute. It's uh, anyway. It's a sports science um, mm. in in Cape Town, and um, they had the whole ICC modelling system. So I would go test there, see if we can find something that works. Go back to Port Elizabeth, work on it for about three or four weeks, and then go back and test. So it was back and forth probably for you know three or four five months. And cricket South Africa they were great in that whole situation because those tests aren't cheap and they would um, fly me to Cape Town, fix it, then, you know, keep trying different things. So it, it took a while, but, you know, looking back in that time, it definitely, um, you know, strengthened me mentally to, to get through all of those things. 
Um, it certainly helped my bowling too, in a way, because bowling seemed to spin. It, it was basically just slowing my action down. And, um, you know, then working and remodeling over such a long time. It was probably a three, four-year period where every game, even when you're playing, you don't really look at the highlight itself. You look at your action. Every time you come up on the screen, you look at what it looks like. So that was, you know, a three, four-year thing. And then um, I would say early 2012, um, you know, I felt that it was at its best. And, and you know, that's how I played till 2020. And, um, yeah, it was a long period to get through. But, um, you know, like I said, two things. It strengthened my bowling and it certainly strengthened, uh, you know, me mentally and, and probably helped me to become a captain later. I was going to ask you, and I want to talk about that captaincy as well shortly. I was going to ask you, I suppose, during that period, how were you as a person? And I suppose even uh, with your faith through that time as well, was your faith obviously helping you, you get through those maybe tough times that you did have? Yeah, it was helping, but it wasn't always smooth and plain sailing. You know, there were a lot of frustrating days where you think, you know, why is it happening to me? Um, can't it just go away? Because once it's there, it never goes away. There's always someone who makes a comment, um, you know, opposition, someone on the street, you know, a people you don't even know that always makes a little comment and then it makes you think about it again. And, you know, do you think, oh, is it better? Is it not better? You know, the, the match referees are still watching me. The umpires are watching me. Um, so, yeah, it definitely wasn't easy and plain sailing. Um, I think Monica had to deal with a lot of ups and downs over that time. Um, but yeah, looking back, it, it's like people say, things happen for a reason and it certainly helped with the outcome. You know, the overall bowling three, four, five years down the line when I felt that my action was at its best and I can just compete again. And then, like I said, mentally it probably strengthened me to take up a leadership role because by that time, I felt my game was in, in such a space that I didn't have to really overtrain or worry too much about my own game, but I could worry about all my teammates. Mm. And I think that's sort of a, a thing that I've always tried to do as, as a captain, as a leader, as a coach, to make sure that everyone in the team is okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that certainly helped me to, you know, for a three or four-year period, the focus was all on my action. But after that, the focus was sort of, you know, can I take care of everyone in the team and make sure that everyone's ready to play? Because I felt my my game was in a good space. And um, you talked about that captaincy, captain of the South African ODI and T20 teams. Uh, obviously, a proud moment for you leading your country. Yeah, that was a huge moment. You know, that sort of the first time it ever happened was Graham had an injury or it was like against a... Uh, smaller team in, in world cricket. I think it was Kenya or Zimbabwe. And, and you know, some like Callis, Graham Smith, those guys all had a, a serious break. Um, and yeah, that's that's when I got my first opportunity. Really enjoyed it. I, I did it a little bit through school growing up. Um, and then underage cricket did it, you know, here and there, bits and pieces. Um, and, and underage trials and things like that. So I've, I've always enjoyed it. Um and then obviously it's, it's a little bit more, you know, high pressure, but I still enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed sort of being in control, working things out in your head, how it should play out, how you, know, you want to use your, your bowlers throughout an inning. So, you know, I enjoyed all of that and, and 
you know, that sort of added to, to the game for me. Well, thanks for joining me today on this episode of FLS. If there's anyone in your part of the world you love us to chat with, please get in touch. For all the details on the podcast, including contact details, please head to our website, faithlifesport.com. And I look forward to you joining me next time. We're back at On the Field Together, hearing about the faith, life and sport of past and present Christians in sport in the next episode of FLS. FLS.